Hi, everybody. Good morning. Happy Monday. Um, that's really good. I hope I can actually read all of my handwriting. Um, but just a little <laughs> FYI, last night didn't get the best sleep in the world. Um, let's see what happened. Um, my dog, my one dog woke me up at like one in the morning just because he wanted to go outside for some reason. And like, I think he wanted to seriously bury a bone or a toy or something like that. He just like went all around the yard and everything. I was like, what, Butterscotch, what are you doing? Get back in here. He finally did actually pee. But um, I was just like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Um, but if they start, you know, crying, I'm like, okay, well, they need something. So I need to let them out. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So that happened. Um, and, you know, my husband snores. So I go to the other room because if he's already asleep and snoring, I can't fall back asleep. And that's fine. We have this wonder. It works out. We have an extra bedroom. I go in there and it's good. I can fall back asleep. So I fell back asleep. And then around three something, three something, huge crack of thunder your huge crack of thunder and that totally woke me up like kind of scared me awake and I was like oh okay we were supposed to get thunderstorms overnight um but that's the only thing I heard but it still disturbed everybody I know my daughter told me she woke up but she went right back to bed um and then of course the other two dogs woke up the other two dogs the two dogs woke up and the one is afraid of thunderstorms like a lot so he paces and he click clacks on the floors he just click, 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 click. And so until he settles back down, we're just like, oh my gosh, please let me go back to sleep. So that was our fun night. Yeah. So bear with me today. That that nice little, nice little intro, but sometimes you have to share what, what happens overnight. Oh my gosh. Okay. So let's talk about therapy. Last week, we talked about awareness, um, awareness of symptoms of mental health issues. And so this episode, um, prior to um, today, I actually talked with my family because sometimes, well, what, last week, my husband was the culprit, uh, the reason that I came up with the topic of awareness. Well, this week, um, credit goes to my daughter. Um, she basically said, well, why don't you do something about when a friend has a, a mental health issue? And I said, you know, that's a great idea. So, like I said, last week, we talked about awareness of sy symptoms of mental health issues. But what happens if you are the friend of a loved one who notices when uh, they are starting to have difficulties or they are starting to um, act differently or um, really struggle with their day-to-day. -day. And so um, I thought about that for a while and I thought, okay, well, we probably need to break this down into what kids should do versus what adults should do. And honestly, I have no idea um, I should know the demographic of, of my listeners. Um, TJ can actually get that for me. So age-wise, I'm really not sure. So, But we'll just say maybe there are some younger teenagers who might be listening to the podcast. And um, I thought, okay, well, if you're a kid um, and you notice that one of your friends is having a really hard time, um, and this could be especially come like middle school, junior high, high school, um, you know, when kids might start to act differently, um, your friends might start to act differently. Well, I would say the easiest thing to do is to tell a trusted adult. And I know that goes into the whole, like, argument of being a snitch, and I hate that. I even I hate that word. Um, you know, but 
it's so important to to let a trusted adult know if you think something is going on with one of your friends because you 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 know in reality you don't know for sure i mean you can't read your friends minds you know you don't know everything about their home life and you know that kind of stuff because you're not you know no one knows what happens behind closed doors um so, like I said, for kids, the biggest thing is to tell a trusted adult, and that might be a teacher, a parent, an aunt, uncle, grandparents, you know, somebody that um, you know would have the best interest of your friend, you know, in in their minds, in their hearts. Um, and I know a lot of kids worry about or might worry about, well, if I tell somebody, you know, would I get in trouble or, or would the friend get in trouble or... You know, will they believe me? Would my friend get mad at me if I told? Um, you know, those I, I've heard all kinds of uh, those. I, I don't really want to call them excuses because, you know, they're legitimate, legitimate concerns and worries for somebody who's thinking about, you know, telling on a friend. Um, but let's just say that, and, and I hope that listeners, I hope you've heard this before, that something should never, ever be kept secret. You know, um, your friend might get mad at you for a little bit, but they'll get over it, especially again, if they're, it's in their best interest and they end up getting help because of you telling. Um, so with that, um, there's all kinds of, of things to, to kind of take into account. So there's something called mandated reporters. So if you tell you know, well, it may vary from state, and I don't know all the different states' regulations. I know in Arkansas, teachers are mandated reporters. Pretty much anybody who works um, who works with children um, are considered mandated reporters. I'm a mandated reporter, therapists. Um, they're all mandated reporters. So if you, what a mandated reporter means is that, by law, they have to tell um, Child Protective Services if um, they there is any kind of report of child maltreatment, physical, sexual abuse, neglect, that kind of stuff. Um, and so, you know, that that's important. That's important to know about, but that's one of the best ways to try and get a friend help. If, if it's one of those serious topics, um, one of those serious things happening to them. Um, if you're a parent, because again, I don't know if, how many kids actually listen to this podcast, but if you're a parent, listen to kids who are telling you things, listen to them and take them seriously. You know, it's very rare for a child to lie or make up some sort of, you know, physical violence or, um, you know, um, maltreatment. I remember one time, um, this is even before I was in grad school, um, I was in I was an undergrad and I was part of um, an education team and from I honestly can't even remember what the name of it was called but we went out and we educated about drug and alcohol abuse. Um, I really wish I could remember if I look back in my yearbook I probably could. But um, I was asked to go into um, one of my friends was doing her student teaching, um, and I was asked to come in and do a presentation to, I think they, they are first graders or second graders. Um, I, want, I, want, I want to say first graders because um, they were a little bitty and um, uh, just about drug, drug and alcohol, Dr or, sorry, drugs and alcohol. It was, they're just so precious. They're just so precious, but they will tell you everything. 
So um, I had little kids tell me, oh, my, my daddy drinks every day. And just, you know, so precious, very precious. Um, but kids typically don't lie about that kind of stuff. So the little kid who said that, does their daddy drink every day? Probably. Now, I don't know how much, and I don't know if it's actually causing any kind of issues or things like that, because not necessarily so. They may be drinking, a, you know, a glass of wine with dinner, you know. Um, so it's just, but kid, kids kind of, they'll, they'll tell the truth. And like I said, it's very rare for them to make up anything um, about domestic violence or um, physical violence, sexual abuse, that kind of stuff. So keep that in mind. Take kids seriously. Um, with that being said, I know um, it's important to give resources. So if you suspect that somebody is being mistreated, maltreated, child abuse of any kind, this is in Arkansas, this is the child abuse hotline. And I'm going to um, say it. Um, it's 1-800-482-5964. I'm going to say that again. The Arkansas child abuse hotline is 1-800-482-5964. And a lot of people think that, oh, once I call that, then that means the person's in trouble and all of this kind of stuff. No, there's so much more to it um, that, you know, there's just many, many steps that come after that. Um, you know, they usually do an investigation to see if whatever is being reported is true. So um, something to keep in mind. It's a, a good resource to just, you know, kind of hold on to. Um, I know when I was growing up, um, I had friends um that lived in my neighborhood that now I would probably you know as an adult I know better and I would get I would wager to say that they were being physically abused at home I really didn't have an idea when I was young um but I do know that one of another parents or I'm, I'm sorry my another friend her mom actually gave me um, this would be the state that I grew up in, gave me that state's child abuse hotline to just hold on to for them. And she just told me, she's like, here, I want you to hold this. I mean, that's maybe a, a big responsibility to put on a kid. Now I wasn't like little, little. I was probably 10, 11. Um, and I know they had a copy and they're like, they basically just said, if you guys ever need this, you know, you know that I have, Rosemary has one, and then my other friend had one, had the number. And as far as I know, they never asked to use it. But, um, I, you know, looking back, I was like, wow, okay, that's kind of good to know. So in any case, I gave out the number, keep it in a safe place. You never know when um, you might need to call in and report something. Or, um, you know, if a kid tells you something, you might have to report something that a kid says. So... That's the kid's side. Now, if we look at the adult side, what can adults do if they notice that a friend is really struggling with something? Um, it may be a coworker, um, could be a family member. Um, and, you know, it's really hard when the friend or family member or loved one really doesn't have awareness yet. What we talked about last week, um, you know, maybe they're in denial that's even a whole other thing. You know, there's a difference between really not being aware of it and then totally being in denial. 
Um, the way I kind of think about it is if you're just not aware, maybe you're just not aware. But in denial is when people have tried to bring it to your attention and you're still kind of like, mm, no, I don't believe that that's going on, whatever it is. So what can adults do to help um, if they notice somebody struggling, notice a loved one struggling? Well, one of the things that they can do is really try and normalize what is going on. Um, now I'm talking more so about mental health issues and not substance abuse. Um, but yeah, mental health issues. So normalize like seeking help is essentially what I'm trying to say there. Normalize going to therapy, normalize seeing your doctor, normalize seeing a psychiatrist, normalize getting help is essentially the bottom line there. Um, and you know, it really helps if you feel comfortable to let them know it, your experience, if you've ever been to therapy or, you know, um, been placed on an anti-anxiety or an antidepressant medication from your um, primary care doctor. Um, because then you can share your, your experiences and, you know, some of them are good and some of them are bad. Um, but it helps the loved one make a more informed decision, hopefully. Um, the other thing you can do is just like you want them to get help, you can offer to help them find help. So um, you can actually help them find a therapist, which we've covered, I think, way back in the beginning of the podcast. You know, how you go about finding a therapist, whether it's looking online, um, finding, um, you know, the little blurbs on, on websites and stuff like that, that talk about the, the therapist and their specialties and things like that. Um, so you can actually help the person find a therapist, you know, that they might like, you can always, um, you know, see if they would want to, if you've been to a therapist and you liked your therapist, it could be a good fit for the friend. Now, the therapist wouldn't be able to tell the friend that they see you. They wouldn't be able to tell each the two people that they see, both of you. They would have, you know, confidentiality and HIPAA and all that kind of good stuff. Um, but if it's a good fit and you're happy with your therapist and you feel comfortable with them seeing your friend, it might be a really good fit and can get the person some help that they need. Um, you might want to... If they're okay with it, go with them. Um, you know, sometimes you're put in a really tough place. What if a person is is suicidal or, um, you know, really having thoughts of wishing they were dead, um, you know, just not wanting to live, that kind of stuff. And maybe you have to take them to the ER to get assessed. That means to get um, kind of... Um, talk to and, and see all what all symptoms they're experiencing to see if they need to go into the hospital, um, into um, a psychiatric unit. That is typically called an acute stay, um, which means that it would be a, a couple of days just to monitor and, and, you know, see how they're doing, see if they need medicine or if they need a med medication change, all that kind of stuff. Um, but if you go with them, it might help your loved one, um, feel more at ease, um, maybe be more open to, um, you know, if that, if it is recommended that, um, they do go into the hospital, um, cause that could be a really scary thing. Um, not to mention if the loved one has family, um, you know, and have, has to get things in order before they actually can go into the hospital. You know, meds have come a long way 
Um, and so, and many people in day-to-day take either an antidepressant or an anti-anxiety med um, or a mood stabilizer or something like that. They have come a long way from, um, you know, what people, I would say, mis- misconceived um, idea of men- what mental health was back in the day. Um, you know, I've seen many old movies like, oh, one of my favorites actually is One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Um, but I also think it gives um, an outdated um, picture of what mental health is like now and, and what the medications do now. Um, so I think that that might be a really good one to, um, you know, how I said maybe I'll, I'll do a topic on like a movie and how they portray mental health in the movie or something like that ever um, since I did um, the video game and um, PTSD in the video game. I think I might do something like One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. It's been a while since I've seen that movie, and it's really good. Um, but it, it does, um, I know it was made like back in uh, the 70s, I'm, I think. Um, so it, it would be interesting to kind of critique it and be like, okay, that wouldn't happen anymore, or, you know, things like that. So um, how else can you help? Because that was a little tangent. Sorry about that. Um, how else can you help if you're an adult? Um, well, this is kind of what, what I was actually asked to do when I was a a child to help my friends. Um, but you can be a safe person for your friend. So what does that look like? Well, you can hold on to numbers or websites that they may need, um, easy access to like the suicide prevention hotline. Um, let me go ahead and give you all that. So suicide prevention hotline is 1-800-273-8255. There's also a domestic violence hotline, which I will say I actually did not realize. Um, So there's a domestic violence hotline. It's 1-800-799-7233. I also looked up um, for substance abuse. Um, If you're a family member or a friend of someone who's having substance abuse issues, um, you can look up Al-Anon. It's A-L hyphen A-N-O-N dot O-R-G, Al-Anon dot org. Um, Those are um, really great resources or websites for resources for people if you want to be a safe person for a friend. Um, You know, you might... Being a safe person for a friend might be part of their safety plan if they're in a really abusive relationship like domestic violence. Um, you know, giving giving the the partner, um, not the partner, the friend, really, um, a safe place to go if they're in, in danger um, and then having resources for them when they get to your house. Um, that's something you can do. Um, you know, and then, like I said, having numbers like shelter number for battered women shelters that kind of stuff um and when you have those numbers or those websites keep them in a safe place for your friend that again are easy access um that you won't lose them and that you can give them out to your friend if they need them um the big thing to also think about is you can these are great ways to reach out to your friend or your loved one Um, but remember when it comes down to it, you can't make someone get help. And sometimes that is the, the most difficult. That is the really, really hard thing, um, to, to kind of 
sit with and oftentimes makes people feel really helpless. But that's also what um, support groups like Al-Anon are, are for, um, because those are for people who, who are living with someone who has substance abuse issues. And it's not just Al-Anon. There's other kind of support groups, especially with the Internet. Um, with the Internet, you, you know, you can join probably, I mean, you just have to research um, where, where they are. You could probably join one in another state. I mean, I'm not positive about that, but you probably can um, for all kinds of different things. But you want to, if you find an organization or a support group that you want to join, um, make sure it's reputable. Make sure that it is um, organized or um, moderated, maybe is the right word, by, um, you know, professionals. And, um, you know, of course, you want to make sure it's a, it's a safe environment, even if it's online, um, you know, so that there's no cyberbullying or I don't know, that's a weird way to kind of bring it in. But, you know, you want to make sure it is a legitimate support group is basically what I'm trying to say. Um, so that can help you feel with your feelings of helplessness or even hopelessness um, when, you know, your friend or loved one is just kind of refusing to get any help. Um, of course, I always recommend praying praying for yourself, praying for that person. I am um, a spiritual person. I, I do believe in God. Um, I am a Christian. So, I, you know, I would pray to, to God. I pray, would pray to Jesus. Um, if you have a higher power, you can pray to that higher power. Um, you can, of course, just send positive energy, positive strength to your loved one um, to try and hope that they either reach realization and awareness um, or get through this stage of denial so that they can actually get help for whatever they're dealing with. And then, of course, listen. Um, and sometimes that's really hard to do, um, especially when you want to, you know, if you're the kind of person who likes to help, who likes to offer advice, and, you know, why don't we do this to try and help with this situation, but the friend or loved one is just, like, not ready to act or not ready to take that step. And that can be really frustrating sometimes, but you're still listening, and that still makes a difference. So don't forget that. Um, just being able to, to be there and maybe even just hold your friend's hand while they cry or while they, um, you know, vent, that might still, might still make a difference to them in that moment, in that day. And, and again, that can make all the difference in the world. Um, yeah, as I was talking about before, you can get help for yourself if someone you know won't get help. Um, you know, yeah, that's basically what, just reiterating what I had said before about support groups and stuff like that. So, um, so with that being said, I hope this episode gave you some good information on how to help that person if they want, or not help that person, but what you can do for the person who won't get help. Or if you notice that one of your friends or one of your loved ones is really struggling and how you can try and get them to get help. Um, it's really important. Um, but like I said, ultimately, you can't make them. And I, I know also a lot of people who struggle with the inappropriate guilt of, you know, I wish I, you know, I wish I could have made them go see somebody. Um, I hear this a lot from uh, family members of maybe who somebody who um, completed suicide um, 
you know, they, they take on a lot of that inappropriate guilt. Like, what if I was there and, and answered the phone or, you know, if I just stayed, you know, 15 minutes longer or, you know, they come up with and all kinds of um, irrational thoughts of inappropriate guilt. Um, and that's just not the case. Um, you know, a suicide, of course, is a very serious and like extreme example of what we're talking about here. Um, but really the, the, what it all comes down to is, do, you know, trying the best you can to, to offer help for a person when you're there in the moment and then just kind of leaving it in the hands of your higher power, or in my case, um, leaving it in the hands of God and letting him take care of, of that person. Um, so I hope you enjoyed, um, this episode. Remember to go check out the, um, the Facebook group. It's let's talk therapy podcast. Search for it that way. Cause if you just put in let's talk therapy, you won't find it. Um, remember you can also, um, donate to, um, sponsor an episode. Um, if you want to do that, of course, get in touch with TJ at blue stream media and he will tell you exactly how to do that. Um, otherwise, we'll, it it will be great to figure out what our next topic will be. Let's see, maybe it will come from something I see from the dogs or something else in my family. You never know. But thank you again for joining. And I hope, I love that little pause till I get used to doing the music. But thank you so much, and I hope that you all have a blessed week.